This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The following is a true story. I had a lady that was in her mid-70s, and I'd sold her timeshare, and that was the lowest I'd ever felt in my life. I knew then that I had to do something to simply not to go to hell for selling timeshare. Chuck McDowell founded Wesley Financial Group to help folks cancel their timeshares permanently. Called her and everybody that I'd sold timeshare to, and I said, this is what I said to you that was a lie, and this is what you need to do to cancel your timeshare. From that point, people started referring friends to me to help them cancel the timeshare, and that's how it all started. I fought the world's largest timeshare company in federal court. If I had lost that lawsuit, there would be no one helping people that have been lied to when they bought timeshare. If we take you as a client, we will cancel your timeshare or we'll give your money back. That's what makes us different. Call Wesley Financial Group now for a free information kit. 800-885-4884. That's 800-885-4884. 800-885-4884. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. This is the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. And we are coming to you uh, just mere moments after the Cubs take the rubber match against the Washington Nationals on Sunday Night Baseball to get back to their series-winning ways, Brendan. And because we're only a few minutes after this happening, I just want to give a quick round of applause to Steve Ciszek for holding down that game. Uh, He was out there an awfully long time. I think Buster only said during the broadcast that it was uh, a career high outing, at least since like 2012 for Steve Ciszek. Uh, So credit to him because that was a a big effort for him to lock down this game. He goes two and a third, allowing just one hit to get his fourth save of the year. And it was necessary. So very playoff-esque. Yes, thank you, Steve, for locking that down. But we will break down these three games with the Washington Nationals, and then we will get you ready for a four-game set with the Philadelphia Phillies, led by Bryce Harper, who was a Cubs storyline all offseason, and of course, number 49. Well, he was 49 on the Cubs. I honestly don't know what he is. (laughs) But the bearded one, Jake Arrieta. Let's put it that way. Yeah, he's 49 to us. Uh, So uh, a very 
storyline-driven series coming up at Wrigley Field. But let's jump into these games with the Nationals real quick. And boy, Friday night was a fun one. That was one of those games that I, I think towards the end of the year we will remember this Friday game against the Washington Nationals. And we will remember it because Chris Bryant goes four for six with five RBIs, including three home runs. He homers in the seventh, the eighth, and the ninth consecutively to pace the Cubs, who score 14 runs, winning this one 14-6 to on the strength of six home runs on the evening. They come from Chris Bryant, Chris Bryant, Chris Bryant, <laughs> Wilson Contreras, Albert Almora Jr., and Kyle Schwarber. And we will mm. talk more about Chris Bryant and Kyle Schwarber after I finish the recaps. Uh, but in this one, the Kyle Schwarber home run, he hits a homer, oppo, and the 13th pitch of the at-bat. This was an amazing at-bat from Kyle Schwarber, fouling a bunch of balls off, staying alive, and eventually getting the pitch he was able to do damage with. And it was a big play in the game. Let me take you through this one real quick. The Cubs getting their runs. Javi Baez, an RBI double in the first. Albert Almora Jr. taking Max Scherzer deep on an 0-2 pitch, Brendan, for his fourth homer of the year. That made it 3 to nothing Cubs in the top of the second. Rendon got the Nationals on the board 3-2 to with his seventh homer of the year. In the seventh, it was 3-2 to going into the seventh, and then the Chris Bryant show took over. He hits his ninth homer, in the seventh, that made it five to two. Washington would get it to within five to four, headed into the top of the eighth. The Nationals mere inches, Brendan, from getting back in this one. Carl mm-hmm. came into this one, and I, I got to tell you guys, he was doing almost everything in his power to get the Nationals to tie this game. But they only push across uh, the two in this inning, and it is five to four. Cubs. So it was dicey there in the bottom of the seventh, but they survive. And then in the top of the eighth, the aforementioned Kyle Schwarber home run, his sixth of the year on that 13th pitch. Incredible at bat from Kyle. Chris Bryant comes up again. He hits his 10th home run. That made it 8-4 to and a Mark Zagunas single. Brought in two more. That made it 10-4. to In the top of the ninth, Guess who? It's Chris Bryant for his 11th homer of the season. That made it 12-4. to And Wilson Contreras with his 11th home run of the season. That made it 14-4. to Washington would add two more in the bottom of the ninth, but that would be all that she wrote. Cole Hamels picking up the win in this one. He goes five flat, seven hits, two earned, three walks, and five strikeouts. He is 4-0. and on the season. Again, we will circle back to this game, certainly, as this was a very fun one. Uh, but if you were looking for that, not only am I back, but this is my statement game from Chris Bryant. It happened on Friday, May 17th. We will remember that one. On Saturday, not so fun, especially for those of us uh, who are the leaders of the John Lester fan club. And this was a start that I think we were all expecting at some point. John just didn't have it on Saturday. He goes four and a third, 10 hits, five earned, one walk, and three strikeouts. His ERA rises almost a full run to 209. I hate it, Brendan, (laughs) but just wasn't his day. I, you know, he had been unbelievable, literally. uh, And uh, the last time he started, qualified to be the MLB's ERA leader. So, I I think we're uh, you know we're going to allow him a a clunker every. It's now only and again. one, Corey. Only one. 
Yeah. So as much as it hurts me that he's not at the top of the ERA leaderboard anymore, uh, it's it's certainly fine. And John took to Twitter uh, in in typical fashion just to say, you know, not good. I need to be better than that. They were all over me, uh, but we get back at it and we'll be better next time. And you, you go get him, John. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, that's really kind of the story of this one. Uh, Dozier homered to give the Nationals a one to nothing lead in the second. The Nationals would add three runs in the bottom of the third on a Howie Kendrick double and a Juan Soto double. That made it four to nothing. And the only thing of note for the Cubs in this one, David Bodie hits his fourth homer of the year in the top of the sixth. But that would be all that she wrote. Steven Strasburg was really good in this game. And Brendan, you know, we noted... Coming into this series, you know, having to face Castillo, who's uh, near the top of the ERA leaderboard for the Reds, and Scherzer, Strasburg on three consecutive days, I, they they had a chance to win more than one, but especially just looking at it with Scherzer and Strasburg, I think you're more than fine taking one of the two, and then the game plan was go into Sunday night and win the last one against Hellickson, and the Cubs managed to do just that. They, Hellickson was all over the place. Cubs weren't able to do... Uh, I think enough, they were able to do enough damage by the end of the game, but it certainly felt like they were leaving, uh, you know, some some dangerous runs on the board that they might need later, but it all worked out. But they get their runs in this one on a Javi force out that made it one to nothing in the first. A Schwarber sack fly, his first of two sack flies on the evening that made it two to nothing. Anthony Rizzo with his 11th homer of the year. If we were, uh, you know, doing like um, on Sesame Street, the count, I think 11 would be the the, the number of the day here uh, as a, a few Cubs have 11 home runs at the moment. In the fourth, that was Kyle Schwarber's second sacrifice fly of the evening that made it four to nothing. The Nationals would get one on a Dozier ground out, four to one. In the top of the sixth, Kyle Hendricks hit a sacrifice bunt that brought in Jason Hayward on Sunday night baseball. Brendan, have we ever seen a Cubs pitcher yeah. bring in Jason Hayward on a, sa- a squeeze bunt? On Sunday night baseball, I'm trying to think. Oh, that's right. John Lester walked off the Seattle Mariners on such a play. With his high socks and everything, Corey. Yes, that was uh, one of the most fun evenings I have ever had at Wrigley Field. Is that one of your most memorable games you've ever been to? It's got to be up there. Yeah, I've I've told this story before, but I went to see uh, Chance at the Metro, which is just a block or so away from Wrigley Field right after. And so, you know, given that that is the Brian Maddis game where they start down, I believe, six to nothing. Yeah. Uh, and the the way that they came back that, and, you know, especially in 2016, that was one of those games where you were like, uh, okay, this team is definitely special. Yeah, it's, like it's if there was any doubt yeah. before. Yeah. And obviously to, to see John Lester walk off on a squeeze bunt. I love a good squeeze, but now we're talking walk off squeeze. <laughs> Sign me up for that. So uh, anyway, uh, Chris Bryant would single in the top of the six to make it six to one. Anthony Rendon with a big homer in this one off of Kyle Hendricks, who just kind of fell off the rails in the middle of this game. Uh, that made it six to four. Howie Kendrick would homer off of Brandon Kinsler in the bottom of the seventh to make it six to five. But then they brought in Steve Ciszek, and that was all that she wrote. The Cubs winning this one six to five. Hendricks picking up the win to go to four and four. His final line five and two thirds, six hits, four earned, two walks, and four strikeouts. Again, he picks up his fourth win of the season. Steve Ciszek, again, two and a third 
to get the save. He allows just one hit, no walks, and he strikes out two. So a brilliant job from Steve Ciszek here. And that is all that she wrote in this series. Uh, again, the Cubs getting back to their winning ways. That, that series loss to the Reds was their first since that first visit to Miller Park in early April. And they get right back on, on the horse to uh, pick up the series win and have a 3-3 three and three road trip, which I think is uh, totally fine given yeah. the slate of pitchers. When you have to go up against Castillo, Scherzer, and Strasburg, I think if you can get a split on that trip, I, I think it's totally fine. And you know, to be frank, the Cubs could have won at least one or two more of these games. So I think overall, a uh, good showing from this team and, and you know, getting them set up uh, to return back to Wrigley Field here. But Brendan, the, the first topic of the night is Chris Bryant. This was the game on Friday night. You know, we I, I actually went back and listened to some of our early podcasts where, you know, I, I literally said, you'll get me to bet against Chris Bryant over my dead body. Uh, that, that was like, I think after that, uh, Texas or Atlanta series. I, I I said that. And, you know, we have certainly seen him not only get back to form, but as we talked about, he's putting up numbers that would be his career best. This is this is a, a, almost a different level for Chris Bryant. And I think if not for Cody Bellinger playing on literally another universe yeah, right yep. now, I think the Cubs would have at least a couple legitimate MVP candidates, but unfortunately, nobody is is in the same conversation as Cody Bellinger right now. So we're going to need him to come down to earth uh, a little bit, though it'll make it that much more satisfying when the Dodgers fail in the playoffs, uh, you know, that they'll waste that season from Bellinger. But we're getting ahead of ourselves here. Anyway, this was the game that it's not, you know, Chris Bryant is is back at MVP level and all this other. This was that statement game, like, like not only am I bad at everybody— but you better take notice of what I'm doing. And and this game was so indicative, Brendan, of the difference between, you know, when KB is right, and obviously he hits three home runs. But just in terms of, like, those early season struggles, and we talked about this, like, we were totally confident that he was healthy, but he just didn't look right. He didn't look like himself. He was lunging at balls. He was swinging through, you know, lower velocity. It just didn't seem right. And, you know, it was obviously just a matter of getting more comfortable. He's obviously had great results with that axe handle bat that he switched to. But this is what it should look like, Brendan. If you make a mistake to Chris Bryant, you deserve to pay for it and pay for it loudly. And this is what we saw on Friday. Like, this is, hey, everybody, like, I'm not good. I am one of the best players in baseball. And I read all of those tweets in the at Cubs mentions and on Instagram and stuff like that. And some of some of the people out in the Cubs verse better put respect on my name when they start talking about one Christopher Lee Bryant and this game on Friday, Brendan. Boy, was that fun to watch. Three home runs. This was awesome. And, and there was a stat. Uh, I, I will try to find the author of the stat, as I like to give credit on those. Uh, but pointing out that the Cubs have had three players have multiple three homer games before the age of 28. Uh, and it is Sarah Langs, Slangs on Sports. Is Hold on, can I, can I guess this? Uh, yeah, so Cubs with multiple three homer okay. games before turning 28 since 1908. Okay, so uh, Sammy Sosa, right? No. What? Not Sammy? No. Okay. Um... Aramis Ramirez? Yes. Okay. So two other ones in addition to KB no. or with Chris KB? is one of the three. 
So I'm, I got one more. Before 28, yes. uh, since 19, I don't know, Ernie Banks? Yes. Look at you. All right. How, how is Sammy Sosa now one of those guys? Gosh, that's weird to me. I don't know. Well, how old was he when he came over to the Cubs? I don't know. Like, what, 24, 25? That was I, before my time. I Corey. don't remember. You and I were both, like, like kind of toddlers. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I, I would be lying if I said I uh, was super up on that. But, yes, so the three Cubs with multiple three homer games before turning 28 since 1908, Chris Bryant, Aramis Ramirez, and Ernie Banks. That is wow. wonderful that's a, company. That's a good company to be with. Yeah. Wonderful yeah. company to keep for Chris. There are uh, some absolute legends on that left side of the Cubs infield. But yeah, Brendan, this was an, an amazing game to watch. And again, I think that game that it, I, I, there shouldn't have been any doubt that he was back and, and playing at the level we've all come to expect him to. But, but this is the type of game that gets into that national conversation and should remind anyone that was still on the fence about this, like, yo, you need to take <laughs> notice what this guy is doing. He's got his overall numbers after this weekend, 272, 402 on base percentage, a 562 slugging percentage, 406 Woba, 156 WRC+. Plus. Let's go. Those are big-time numbers, folks, MVP and both numbers. of those all career highs. So, guys, this was the Chris (laughs) Bryant game. This was the game that we've been dreaming of, that we've been pleading with people to, you know, not speak ill of him and and worry about him because this was coming, and here it is, Brendan. Was there ever a doubt? I don't don't think there really was from the majority of Cubs fans. Uh, You know, there's a few here or there. But when someone like Jeff Passon says, oh, everyone in Chicago is doubting him, come on. Yeah, like, come on. like Yeah, Je- know, Jeff tweeted out the other day, you know, after the three-homer game, remember when it seemed like the entirety of Chicago was worried that Chris Bryant's power was gone? Yeah. And and I tweeted out on, on my Twitter, like, I, I hate tweets like this because it, it makes the, you know, it's like, let me tweet this out to all my followers. He's a, an ESPN, like, national writer to make the Cubs fan base seem dumb and it's and we're like, smarter than that Come yeah on. well and just in our purview like I know for a fact that that was never something that was the opinion of this podcast that was the opinion of cubsinsider.com of bleachernation.com of Sahadev and Patrick at the athletic uh you know and, I, and I'm not paying attention to everything but I'm sure there are a lot of other blogs and and good Cubs coverage that fall into that category that never doubted Chris Bryant and never yeah. thought that that his power was I mean, gone that was so ridiculous. let's not paint in broad strokes here like a lot of us knew better than to to think that that uh you know was the case it just doesn't feel like summer without an ice cold coca-cola in your hand Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, 
Grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. And a lot of us were saying, even before he broke out, like, hey, look, Chris Bryant is doing some really interesting things. Like, his Mm -hmm. walk rate is at a career best, despite the overall numbers not being there. And looking a little bit closer, like in 2016, he would swing at three of 10 pitches outside the zone. And for a while there, he was swinging at like two pitches of 10 pitches outside the zone, which seems marginal. But that's a big difference in the grand scheme of things. So for him to come back and put up numbers, which are at this point in the year, better than they were in 2016 is wild to me. So I want to read you uh, Chris's stat line through his first 199 plate appearances, because that's where he is right now. And I want to compare that to his 2016 pace as well. So right now, like Corey was saying, he's batting 272. He has a 402 OBP. He has 11 home runs and his Woba is 406. Okay. Now in 2016, when the Cubs, if I need to remind you, won the World Series and Chris Bryant won the MVP, through 199 plate appearances, he was batting 273. His OBP was 357. His Woba was 362, and he had nine home runs. Great stat line. His walk rate was 10%. His strikeout rate was 19.6%. So kind of what you want from your top-tier hitter. Going back to this year, this is why his numbers are even more mind-blowing because he's walking at a 15.1% rate. He's only striking out at a 17% clip. He's making above league average contact. So what I'm saying is he's hitting the ball further than most people. He's swinging at fewer pitches than most hitters, and he's making more contact than most batters. That is a recipe for success, Corey. And so this current iteration of Chris Bryant might be the best version of Chris Bryant. Like he may be reaching his ceiling, so to speak, even though he wasn't that far off. So that should not go unnoticed. Yeah, he's playing well. Yeah, he may be, you know, quote unquote back, even though he was never gone. But this is better than what we've seen from Chris Bryant, and that is insane, Corey. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it it goes along with just a a lethal middle of the order that the yeah. Cubs have going for them right now. And we'll get into it more throughout this podcast that, you know, they, they've got some positional stuff to work out. And and, you know, the, you're you're kind of always gonna have other positions where you're you're trying to figure out who should be getting the most playing time and and where guys should be second base is certainly that spot for the the Cubs right now but when you look at what that middle of the order is doing you know if you're able to keep that intact and have that going you can figure out you know what to do around it but (laughs) someone's gonna pop out of nowhere too at that yeah yeah but just to have and in case I I need to clarify this, the the, the middle of the order, the, the the four consists of Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, Javier Baez, and Wilson Contreras. Who, for whatever reason, Brendan, and this is why I said that this is the the number of the day. All four of them now have eleven home runs on the season. <laughs> So, uh, you know, I don't know if any of you are listening to this in Vegas right now, you want to like play roulette or something like that, like go for 11. I I, like that's the number uh, right now. And, you know, of that group, like Rizzo is the only one that isn't in the top. I'm looking at this right now, 13 in terms of all MLB position player war. Uh, Wilson Contreras is at 13. 
Chris Bryant is at 10 and Javi is at 6. So, you know, you've got three guys right now in, in, in the middle of the Cubs order who are performing at near top of the league, like literally top 10 in baseball levels. So yeah. that's that's got to get you excited. I, you know, we've talked about those guys a lot. And, I, you know, I don't know that there's anything like new particularly to add on, you know, someone like Wilson or, or even Rizzo. Like Rizzo is just kind of Rizzo, right? Um, but it's, it's just got to get you rather pumped up to see what this offense uh, is doing because it's, you know, just a little more spread out than than some of these other things. Like, I, I don't know where the Dodgers would be right now if Cody Bellinger wasn't doing this, um, you know, and they don't have that many top guys in even the top 20, right? So right. to see these names for the Cubs be up there, it's it's a, a rather fun trend to discuss. But I want to, I, I, I think that's all there really is to say on, on Chris Bryant. Like at this point, if you need any further clarification or proof that he is, uh, again, not good, but like literally one of the best players in baseball. I'm not sure what more you want him to do. Maybe he'll hit four home runs in a game coming up soon. <laughs> I, you nice, know, it's, yeah. I, it wouldn't surprise me. Like, I, I think we're at that point where we're, we can start expecting him to start bouncing balls off the video board at Wrigley. Like, we're back to K-boom, right? Like, that's mm-hmm. that's where we are. But I wanted to, uh, you know, especially because you wrote a piece about it on on CubsInsider.com, and he has a good series in in Washington here. But uh, I, I I I like Schwarbs in the leadoff spot, oh, and I was now? okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't I didn't know how I, I I felt about it necessarily. I always believed in his on base ability and how that worked in in the leadoff spot. I, I'm sure if you go back in the logs of this podcast, I was very in favor of him starting that 2017 season as the as the leadoff hitter, and you know that didn't go very well. Uh, but so I've always believed in that. But I I you know I was just sort of on the fence about it, I guess. Um, but I get it, yeah. He's, you know, that eye and that ability to get on base, it, it looks good. And and he has looked better, I think, as this season has gone on. And, you know, despite kind of trying to make some adjustments himself and, and figure things out up there, you know, his overall line is pretty good. It's it's just under league average, really, with some of these numbers. And, you know, that's with some struggles in there. So I think once he works out of those, I think he's in for for a very productive season. But I know you dug into those numbers uh, a bit more than I did. I, I like Schwarber in the leadoff spot. And we talked about this on the last episode. But long term, I'm not like pumping the idea with both my fists. I, I just like it for what it is right now. And the reason is, and what I wrote about on Cubs Insider was, one, currently in his last 50 plate appearances, he's seen the ball better than he ever has, and he's making more contact than he ever has. And at least, again, in these last 50 plate appearances, now the power is starting to come out. And so if you look at Schwarber's hard hit rate over those 50 plate appearances, it's it's better than most of the league. And if you go back even... In his last 100 plate appearances, it's still better than most of the league. But the issue was he was not getting those hard hit batted balls to fall for hits for whatever reason. You can call it luck. You can call it randomness. Whatever reason, it was happening. So I I, I like the idea. I think I like it more just because Descalso is not playing so well and because Zobaris, you don't know if he'll ever be back. So for the current, you know, iteration of this offense... I like giving Schwarbs a chance. What I don't like about it is he'll be batting with more men off base. So he has more opportunities to get screwed 
by the defensive shifts, which I which I don't like. But overall, there was like an 80-point discrepancy between his expected run creation and his actual run creation. So there was reason to believe that going forward, if he kept playing like this, we would eventually see the results. And we were seeing that. That 13-pitch plate appearance was a microcosm of really what he's been doing for the last month or so. Seeing pitches, making contact, going and grinding through a bats, and then hitting the ball far. And that's ultimately what you want to see. So again, right now, leadoff, I'm, I'm into the idea, but come August, come September, you hope that you can maximize Schwarber's value, that power number, that that OBP, after someone like Wilson Contreras. You hope he takes over that type of role, and then someone like Descalso or Zobrist can come back and take over that leadoff spot. And again, I do want to just like take a second to draw attention to that 13 pitch at bat again. That this was, was insane. Awesome. And and yeah. looking at the zone for the at bat. It was I, right I, in the same location. Yeah, I don't time. remember who the pitcher was. I Wasn't don't think any of, Yeah, it might have been. Yeah, I I, but I don't think claw. anybody cares who the Nationals believer <laughs> it was, honestly. But, you know, you're looking at these 13 pitches, and I'm looking at the graph from game day. Pitch number two, pitch number six, and pitch number 12 were balls that were, you know, pretty far outside near the other batter's box. And maybe pitch nine was a foul that was kind of in a similar location. But basically everything else is pounding that low outside portion of the plate, that that bottom left corner uh, zone, if you're, you know, kind of thinking it from the catcher's perspective with, with Schwarber batting left-handed. And for Kyle to just stay on that pitch, keep fouling it off, keep fouling it off, keep fouling it off, stay alive, and eventually, you know, you just see the same pitch so much that you're able to figure out how to get on it and go oppo with it. It was just such an incredible at-bat. And to be able to do that, you know, this was, again, that inning is like minutes after the Nationals come very close to tying this game, Uh, you know, with Carl throwing some wild pitches there and, you know, the the Cubs kind of getting lucky with one of those bounces. But, like, this was just such an incredible at-bat and a huge, like, as as Pat Hughes would say, this wasn't one of those where Pat Hughes would call it beforehand because like the bases weren't loaded or something like that. But afterward, you're like, this is a real turning point in this game. The Nationals have made this a one-run game, and you come right back out and get the two-run homer there, extend the lead. Then obviously Chris Bryant, you know, starts doing his thing and going, you know, absolutely wild at the end of this game, and they end up winning by eight runs. But this was that moment in that game that really turn, you know, I think altered the course of this game. So this was an incredible at bat. And and I do think indicative of, you know, one of the reasons that you like Schwarber up there is that he can put together at bats like that. He, he can see pitches, yeah. he can foul pitches off and he, and he's got a good eye. Yeah. So, you know, when you try to beat a guy in the same spot, you know, Schwarber is a tough guy to do that with. We've seen him struggle with different types of pitching and, you know, off-speed stuff in particular, but he's a a tough guy to get out if you're going to throw him the same pitch in the same location over and over again. Like, I would trust him to eventually straighten one out and and figure it out. So that was a really incredible at-bat by him. So just wanted to, you know, make sure that we were drawing proper attention there. The the next thing I want to talk about, Brendan, is the second base position, because I think that that is where 
at least on offense, you're the most unsure of what the Cubs should be doing or even like what they're going to do on a daily basis. And I think that part of that discussion revolves, you know, Hay- Hayward has been in, in a bad slump. We we talked about that the last time. Looked but, better in that last game, though. Yeah. So that, at and, least and that again, was a, like, an encouraging sign. Yeah. And again, he's still like some of these balls are hit hard. He he doesn't look as good as he did in that stretch in the in the beginning of the year. But he, you know, he's going to play. We, we've gone, we've done this song and dance plenty to know that like it, it's going to take a, a real slump, like for an extended period of time from him to change his playing time. And, you know, with his defense, his base running, he's going to be out there. Almora's hot right now. And, you know, this is, I, I guess, a, a good opportunity to just do a small aside there. You know, he's he's really had a nice stretch here, and I, I do want to give him credit for that. Again, I, I have railed against the idea of him being the leadoff hitter, and I still don't like it. But I've said time and time again, I like him getting that playing time. I like him deeper in that order, and if he can get hot, we've seen what he can do, you know, when he gets on one of these little hot streaks. And, you know, to see him take an 0-2 pitch that, that was not a, a a bad pitch from Scherzer in in the game on Friday and and take him deep and and give the Cubs a big home run you know he's he's in a nice way here and and I think that that's you know really good to see and he also has a penchant Brendan for taking some of the top pitchers in the league deep you know, of course he took Kershaw he deep in, in in one of those playoff games like he's got a thing game for the NLCS yep yeah he's got a thing for taking like some of the leagues he doesn't hit many home runs but when he hits them he makes them count off um, winners apparently yeah for sure. So uh, I, I did want to at least give him credit for the the, the little run that he's on right now. Um, but, you know, with him playing well, he's going to be out there, especially against left-handers. And, and you know, they're, they're trying to increase his playing time and his adjustments against right-handers. So you've got those two. Schwarber's trending better. He's getting these opportunities at leadoff. So he's going to be out there. So that really kind of leaves only one position where you're going to be flexing some of these guys around. And now, granted, those outfielders aren't going to play every day. You can move KB out there, of course, right? We see this happen all the time. But that second base position is kind of the center center point, the focal point of where these changes come from. And I think right now the issue is that Daniel Descalso has not been good for, uh, you know, unfortunately a pretty lengthy period of time here. He started the season really well, uh, was kind of showing, you know, that that last season he had where he kind of had an improvement in his numbers, changed some things about his swing, was, you know, maybe the new him. But unfortunately, you know, now you look at his overall numbers, we're at 120 plate appearances here through Sunday night. He's got a 215 batting average, just a 286 on base percentage, 318 slugging, uh, good for a 64 WRC plus, which again, 100 is league average. 64 is not good, folks. So, you know, that's a bit of a problem. And I think of the second base contenders, he's clearly the worst defender. Um, that's, you know, not even really close, I don't think, with the with the other options. So that's a bit of a problem, right? Then you mm-hmm. look at David Bodie, who has also just found himself in a wretched 
slump, Brendan. And unfortunately, for as much as we liked his defense, especially when he came up uh, last year, he's been a little sloppy out there. Too and sloppy I, I, for me. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any other way to say that. And again, I say that with the caveat that he's, you know, a young player who this is his first year, you know, breaking camp with, with a, a Major League Baseball team. He's being asked to play several positions while also making adjustments on offense. So he's got a lot on his plate. So this isn't like a, you know, a, a, an attempt to dog David Bodie, but he's been a little sloppy in the field. He, he's uh, messed up some double plays where, you know, the Cubs are only able to get one out because he, you know, bobbles the ball or just doesn't get that transfer out quick enough. He's made some ill-advised throws. I think the Cubs as a team need to have like an eat it meeting like something on certain plays guys way just, too much yeah just eat it just stop throwing the ball um you know and you know his offensive numbers are, are pretty you know his his wrc plus is 96 so you know close to league average um he's got a nice on base percentage almost 100 points higher than his batting average which is 239 326 on base 407 slugging in this series like i mentioned he gets his fourth home run so there's some good things there and he's you know again still adjusting to being an everyday player but you know his offense has he's been in a bit of a slump i think he's uh you know been prior to that home run, especially one of the like literal worst hitters in baseball in the month of May. So, you know, that's something to keep an eye on. And then of course you have Addison Russell, who's, who's back up with the team. Uh, and I think that he likely gives you the best defense. Uh, you know, obviously he's spent most of his career playing shortstop, but the Cubs have been pretty definitive that Javi Baez, as he should be, is the shortstop of this team and that that is not going to change. Uh, but he should, likely give you the best defense uh, at second base, but as we've talked about many times, he has yet to show that he is a league average or better hitter in Major League Baseball. He has not done that in his career, um, and even in 2016 when he hits 21 home runs and, and drives in uh, 95 runs, he still, his overall offensive numbers, WRC plus 95, 238 batting average in that year. So yeah, he was driving runs in and, and cashing in those opportunities, but the overall scope of his offense still rated below league average. And since 2018, it's been even worse than that. And, you know, he he looks like someone that hasn't made those adjustments and doesn't necessarily seem like he's close to. So I'll throw, I've, I've rambled on kind of setting the stage for this particular conundrum that the, that the Cubs have. And again, this is all uh, with the knowledge that Ben Zobrist is dealing with stuff in his personal life, and there is no timetable on that. He could be back in a week. He could never play baseball again. I, I, I have no idea. I would be speculating in the truest sense of the word if I said I had any guess or impression on what that's going to be. So, you, you know, for now, you have to operate that he's not on the team and will change that when he decides, you know, if he's ready to come back. So what do you think that the Cubs— should be doing with this, uh, you know, this spot. And, and again, it's not limited to second base because you can move several of these guys around, but that's really the position group where you need somebody to step up and kind of say, you know, this playing time is mine. I'm going to stake my claim and I need to be the one out there uh, on an everyday basis. Well, it's hard because at the same time, you want to find the right person by playing them and mixing them around and playing the matchups. At the same time, you know someone like David Bodie needs to play consistently to adjust and see pitches 
on a daily basis because he's so young. And the same thing can be said about Russell as well. So it's 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 hard. It's really difficult. And for someone like Descalso, the first few weeks, we were excited about what he was doing. He was right. doing almost the same thing you're used to seeing Zobrist do. Go up there, take pitches, work at bats. He has not been the same guy since those first two weeks. And just looking at his last 50 plate appearances... This this is bad, Corey. Like this is these these numbers are brutally bad. You ready for this? He has a one eleven batting average, Oof. one home run. That's it. That's the only extra base he's had in his last fifty plate appearances. Only five base hits too. His woba is one fifty four. His WRC plus is negative eleven. Um, league average is one hundred. I don't even know how to do the math on that. He's negative. <laughs> yeah. He's he's negative eleven on that. You're, you're going to want to at least be in the positives. Yeah. Yeah, and then then I can at least interpret it. But uh, I have no idea how to interpret that one. Anyway, so I don't know what the solution is. I selfishly, I want to see Bodie get more chances. At the, at the same mm-hmm. time, I understand the value that someone like Descalzo has because he has that innate plate discipline approach. So I, I really have no idea. I, I think you're going to have to just keep playing these guys and sacrifice the consistent playing time in hopes that someone can take charge and, and get that role. I just don't see any other logical solution to start right now. If there's ever a, if there's any silver lining, I think Bodie having that home run in the second game was good to see, but he came back in on Sunday Night Baseball and he had a terrible at-bat in his last at-bat of, of the game, where he's just flailing at like cutters with half a swing. He's just out there confused. So it's difficult, Corey. It, it, it really is. I, I mean, I can sit, I can tell you with confidence I don't want to see Addison Russell there just because the—I'm I'm not feeling it. I, I just want to see more with Bodie and his power potential and the improved discipline we saw earlier on in the season— if there is anything I want to see is him getting more playing time, but I know that may not make the most sense right now. Yeah, it's it's definitely an interesting spot and, and a tough one. And, and, you know, this is kind of the deal. We've, we've seen it over the years at different positions at times, admittedly. But, you know, this is kind of uh, not an unfamiliar spot for the Cubs to kind of be trying to balance a few different players and, and try to get them going at the same time, try to figure out, you know, who should be getting the lion's share of that playing time. And, yeah, I, I think that you you have uh, some very different—there are three very different scenarios. And <laughs> admittedly, I've kind of been surprised at how little Russell has been getting out there since coming back. I was sort of expecting that once they brought him up, uh, that, you know, once they had committed to that, they would get him out there on a, a fairly regular basis. But he's not really starting as much as I— was necessarily thinking that he I'm f- would. I'm fine with that, though. I think sure, that's the right, yeah, because that's the right you know, again, move. and and part the 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 thing with Russell from a baseball perspective is that you you have to acknowledge at some point that it's not coming together at the plate. It's looking and worse than it ever has. <laughs> yeah, you know, and like, look, like he's had pretty regular playing time since 2015. The 2015 right. and 2016, yeah. he gets over 500 plate appearances, almost 600 in 2016, 385 in 2017, 465 in 2018. So this isn't like 
a small sample for this guy. This is four, you know, pretty full years of playing and, and, and getting that sample. And, you know, unfortunately, just like the overall scope of his offense has only really gotten worse. Um, you know, again, just to look at, you know, some of the, the advanced numbers, like his WOBA in 2016 was 316 with a 95 WRC plus. So just barely under league average. 2017, it was a 305 WOBA and an 85 WRC plus. Not and good. in 2018, it was a 290 WOBA and an 80 WRC plus. So really just getting progressively worse. And I think at some point, you know, and that's that's kind of juxtaposed with Bodie, where you would say, you know, this guy's young. He doesn't have a lot of experience in the majors. He certainly doesn't have a lot of experience, you know, getting regular starting time. So maybe you're a, a, a little more preferential to him because you're you're still hoping he can hit that upside. Whereas, you know, look, Russell's only 24, but at, at some point you have to call a spade a spade and just say, like, I'm not sure this guy's offense is is going to come around. And you know, if you guys have been listening to this podcast for years, you know that Brendan and I both were big believers in the potential of Addison Russell as a baseball player and that that hitting would eventually come around. But I think you and I, Brendan, have even been off this train for a while. It, you know, yeah, it's just, it's, it, it, it's too much of the, okay, I think it looks good. This is finally going to happen. And it, it ultimately does not. And, you, you know, you just have to admit, like, I, I'm not sure that this is ever going to come together in the way that, you know, it, it, we and, and people thought when he was, you know, what, the second best prospect in, in, in baseball coming yeah, up through, yeah. through the A's and then the Cubs system. So yeah, it's a tough spot. And then again, you compare that to Descalso, who's you know, different than even the two of them in, you know, he's the veteran, he's, you know, maybe the more disciplined and, you know, you can kind of look to him to be more comfortable and and confident at the plate. So, but again, he's also struggling worse at the plate far than either of these two right now in terms of like his overall numbers on the season. And he's a a markedly worse defender, just just worse range and, and everything than Russell and Bodie. And as, as we were joking about in, in our Cubs Insider chat, Brendan, Descalso is light years ahead of what we saw from Daniel Murphy in the 2018 <laughs> season, who is, you know, basically the worst. You uh, yeah, like, a, you know, kind like of like uh, wearing worst. cement shoes out there, uh, kind of immobile, like a statue. So he's a step above that, but you know it's it's still a step down, uh, you know, in terms of the defense, and so it's an interesting spot. And I, you know, and again, I think you're right that the answer is to keep mixing and matching these guys. And if somebody's able to get hot, you you know, you kind of ride that hot hand and and hope that they're able to, uh, you know, keep that going and 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 turn it into a season long thing. But that's all to say, like this is. Of all things, Brendan, right? This is definitely a first world problem, I, I think, for the Cubs to have. Like, the lineup is rarely going to be perfect for any team. So I think we're just breaking this down because this is, to me right now, really the only spot and like kind of group of players where you know, trying to figure out what to do. Again, like Hayward's been in a slump, but he's earned his playing time. He's he's improved as the years have gone on as a Cub. And, you know, he's he's going to be out there. He deserves to be out there. Almora's on a hot streak. You know, he's making great plays on defense. He's hitting home runs. Uh, now, what does he have, two home runs this week? That That's certainly yeah. got to be a Good record for him. for him. He's not really a power hitter. So, yeah, like, and if he yeah. can start to drive the ball on a line, put it in the air more, it'll be a big success for him. Schwarber's getting on base. He's, you know, 
making strides on offense, putting together better numbers. So I think that's why we focus on this group because I, I think that's really the only place where you are asking questions right now and, and, and saying, you know, what should they be doing? Who should be out there every day? And, you know, how should Joe be handling this? That is not the only area of question on the team, Brendan, because <laughs> this— Waiting this, for it, yeah. Yeah, th- this bullpen is is considering it's an issue. Yeah, coming home to roost basically. And I think that the key with the bullpen is they were not ever going to be as bad as they were in that first stretch because that was like absurdly bad. But I think on maybe two episodes ago, I read a stat from Brett uh, from Bleacher Nation where he pointed out that like oh you know since that Carl Edwards. Uh, send down day, which I think was around April 7th at the end of that Brewers series. Um, you know, the, the Cubs bullpen has literally been number one in the league. And I think they're somewhere in between that, Brendan, is is kind of the point. I, well, I don't even think a they're the worst. worst. With Strope out, though, too. You know? Right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, I don't think they're the worst bullpen in the league, but they're, there's no way that this group was, was going to be the best. We're seeing Kinsler you know, giving up runs kind of on regular appearances now. He's coming back to earth a little bit. They are, uh, you know, using Shishek as much as they possibly can. And he's looked great, you know, after I think like one or two bad outings to start the year. He's himself and he's going to be very good until his arm literally falls off. Um, You know, but but Carl is, you know, kind of Carl, I guess. Um, You know, he had those those good outings when he first came up from AAA, uh, but hasn't necessarily looked great since. And, you know, you're kind of mixing and matching these things. We we were following the the rehab of Xavier Cedeno, but he hasn't looked very good since he's come up, and, you know, Joe's been trying to get him in games. So it's it's an interesting spot. We, we, we always kind of knew that this bullpen was built on shaky ground, um, but it, it, it feels particularly dicey lately, Brendan. So I, I you know, and, and again, I think that, you're just hoping that they can survive and and get through a until Strope comes back, which is hopefully you know a, a couple weeks here, something along those lines, um, and then ultimately uh, until the deadline. And you you know you're almost assuredly going to have to bring in some reinforcements. Um, but any any just general thoughts on the bullpen? Like, what did you think about Cshek staying out there? Do you think it was the right move to stick with the guy you can? trust the most or are they you know really getting in danger here of you know kind of his arm like literally <laughs> falling off in one of these outings keep your whole home running like clockwork from the office to the game room with xfinity internet you'll get the best in-home wi-fi experience with reliable speed and coverage now that's simple easy awesome go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today to learn more restrictions apply it just doesn't feel like summer without an ice cold coca-cola in your hand Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. Well, the good thing is his pitch count wasn't like insanely high when he finished the game. I think it was just under 30 pitches. So that's okay. But you have to be a little bit concerned that Joe Madden's doing this on May nineteenth. Like this is, this is like a, a, a NLDS type decision right here yeah. to have a, to have your closer go in for a third inning. So it's disconcerting, but at the same time, 
like who else do you want out there? They're they're going back to the bullpen. You have you have Brock in there. You have Kyle Ryan, who's been pretty bad recently, even though we're still optimistic about him. But even then, can you rely on Kyle Ryan as your high leverage guy? Right. Probably not. He's been good. I still really like him, but to put him in that position, it doesn't necessarily make the most sense for a potential 100 win team. So I I understood what Joe Madden. I I dislike it to the sense that that was his only option. Like I get what he's doing. Yeah. I mean, I, and to some to some degree, I really like the decision because it does show a higher sense of urgency. I'm not sure we would have we would have seen that last year to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh so this is any example of hey, you know, the Cubs are showing more urgency on getaway day. Here you go. Here's Steve Cejak going three innings. Um but I am I am concerned if this keeps continuing what the consequences are come September. I, I mean, Cejak last yeah. September was terrible. His walk rate was almost six batters per nine innings, Corey, in September last year. So, yeah, I'm I'm not really happy with how this went. It's the right decision because the bullpen is so incompetent right now. And something's got to be addressed. I don't, maybe not necessarily by tomorrow, but... If this is happening four weeks from now, we got we got an issue, Corey. So I, I I think everyone's aware of the situation. They've already been connected to Ken Giles. There were reports by both Toronto and then Bruce uh, Levine actually confirmed those that the Cubs have asked Toronto about Ken Giles, who you may, may remember was one of the uh, focal pieces in the Houston Astros trade with the Philadelphia Phillies. So he has not been good recently but this year he's been very good but still has a history of essentially not looking or expecting what you wanted to see from your closer so he's not necessarily a sure thing to that degree but uh, still pretty good but regardless of Ken Giles he's not the only solution either they they need more depth from top to bottom yeah. they can't just rely on Steve Seizure going out there when Strope comes back having Strope go out there they need more than two or three guys. They got to have more depth somehow, and that's that's my concern. But I but come September, the bullpen's going to be different. Like at this yeah. point, you just have to expect that. Yeah, and I think that I think this bullpen has a lot of pieces who would make up a really successful bullpen. But I think a lot of these guys are slotted, you know, maybe one or two spots too high in terms of the leverage that they're asked to pick up. And so I think that what, you know, if Strope comes back and he's healthy and you can calm the usage of Steve Ciszek down so that we can count on him for the whole year, you know, I think you need like probably two-ish high high leverage guys. And and I would like to see some more velocity injected into this bullpen. They, they have a lot right. of guys who don't throw very hard. Um, and again, I, like I think that guys like Kinsler, guys like Edwards, guys like Brock, like if they were pushed down a little bit in this bullpen, I think you would really feel very confident if you're, you know, those high leverage innings were going to Strope, Ciszek, and, you know, probably one or two outside guys. I, I would love, you know, if it was someone like Dylan Maples, but, you know, we've tried this before, right? Yeah, but so, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. So I'm just saying, like, I think if you can <laughs> slot some of these guys down, you, you've got the pieces to put together a really deep and good bullpen. Like, I think if if Kinsler is someone who is coming in in, like, the, the sixth inning or, you know, in, in, in clean spots like that, like, I think you feel pretty good about that. But but with the way this bullpen has been structured, you know, you're asking him to be a, a top 
end reliever with some of these uh, situations he's asked to get into. And he certainly wasn't that for the Cubs last year, and he was very good at the beginning of the year. And I was on board with, hey, look, he's earned more of those chances. But, you know, now he's he's coming back to earth a little bit. He's getting taken deep pretty regularly mm, uh, yeah. in, the, in these last few outings here. And, you know, that's not good for a guy who's supposed to be a ground ball specialist. Uh, so, you know, that's just kind of the reality. So, yeah, I think it's something that they're going to have to address. I think that they know that. And, you know, look, we're we're pretty close, right, like to the, the trade deadline area, or at least just to the part of the season where some of these teams start to accept the fact that they're not going to be very good and they're not going to be in contention here. So you can kind of start, Theo and Jed can kind of start having those conversations. You can start sending your scouts out to see who might be available, etc. And I, again, I think that they have a lot of pieces to make this a successful bullpen, but I I think they definitely need a couple big ones. I want to say one thing real quick as it relates to the bullpen before you preview this Philly series, and I just want to say I... And I, I commend Joe Madden for attempting to stand up for Carl Edwards in this situation with Sean Doolittle. I, I think it got blown way out of proportion, and I, I don't want to turn it into a thing. Uh, but I absolutely respect Joe Madden noticing that he had, you know, kind of a is his foot touching a second time delivery. And I respect very much that Joe was going to go out there and if he was going to get ejected, fine. If he hears from the MLB, fine. But basically just saying like, it's not the same delivery, but I was told the foot can't touch twice. You guys got to figure out your rule because to me, it looks like he's breaking the same rule, even if the deliveries are pretty different and Carl's was, you know, much more noticeable. But that's one of those things that I think speaks a lot to why the players like Joe so much and why he's able to cultivate such a good clubhouse culture and environment with the teams that he manages because he's not just going to sit there while his player gets policed on a rule and it seems ambiguous for everybody else. It's like, no, you're you're like, damn right I'm going to head out there and ask you guys to explain this. Like either clear it up, explain the rule and enforce it the right way or you're going to hear from me. And I, and I think that mm-hmm. that's absolutely what Joe should have done in that situation. And for a guy who might be traded at the deadline, Brendan, I think Sean Doolittle should He's watch. watch it there. Yeah, I would watch man. my mouth Come a little on. bit. Like the, the, the jab at Joe about him needing a to bit prove too how smart he is, it's too far. Joe didn't say yep. anything about Sean Doolittle. He didn't do anything you know, to him personally. He just happened to be the pitcher on the mound when this protest takes place. Like, that's, uh, you're a victim of circumstance there, Sean. Mm-hmm. But, like, I don't know why you go to the media and say something like that. And I, you know, I, like, I, I think <laughs> I, I definitely am going to be that person that that is just very quickly going to point out, like, you know, if you want to talk about his intelligence, Sean, his intelligence has gotten him to the World Series twice uh, as a manager. He's won, you know, been to the NLCS a few times here with the Cubs, and he's won a World Series. And you play for a team right now, Sean, that hasn't ever won a playoff series. So I, you know, I, I just Ouch. think if you're, if you're going to go after Joe Madden, I, I'm definitely going to, I, I disagree with Joe's decisions all the time, but don't come at our manager, man. Like, or, or we're going to clap yeah. back, right? Like, I, I don't, I don't want to hear yeah. it. Don't be mouthing off about Joe Madden. Come on. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. 
Okay, so the time has come, Corey. It is oh, time. Man. I know. <laughs> Monday night, <laughs> like, baby. Oh, my palms are sweaty doing this. Okay, let's just get into it. So the Cubs have a four-game series upcoming with the Philadelphia Phillies. And by the way, you can get tickets to this series through SeatGeek with millions of live event tickets and a price match guarantee. SeatGeek proves there is a better way. Search sports. Live music, comedy, and more. SeatGeek has the tickets you're looking for all in one place. Why is SeatGeek better than the rest? Well, a quick look at the App Store shows over 50,000 five-star reviews. How is that for customer satisfaction? SeatGeek breaks down the details. Green dots mean good deals. Red dots are overpriced in their interactive, very easy-to-use seat map. And every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets with confidence. You guys know I always use SeatGeek to buy my baseball tickets, even basketball tickets, hockey tickets, concert tickets, whatever I want to go to. I use SeatGeek. It takes me about five minutes to go on my phone. I can get tickets from my friends. It's very easy to use. and I know I'm getting the best deal possible. Best of all, our listeners, you guys get $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All you need to do is use our promo code. Download the SeatGeek app and use promo code CUBSRELATED for $10 off your first purchase. That's promo code CUBSRELATED for $10 off your first purchase. Okay. Uh, Monday night. Here we go. 7.05 p.m. Central will be the start time. Yu Darvish will be taking the mound with a 2-3 record, a 5.14 ERA. I'm going slower because I'm seeing Jake Arrieta's name pop up right here. Jake Arrieta, guys, makes his return back to Wrigley Field for the first time to play. He was there last year, just did not have a spot in the rotation come up. Arrieta this year is 4-4 four four with a 4.02 ERA. I am expecting some type of uh, video like he had last year, but this time maybe a little bit more different given that he is pitching. But look, this guy is a legend. He will forever go down in Chicago Cubs history. He's part of that culture change. He deserves every ovation he gets. So that will be fun. Um, the, The, you know, Converse opponent over there with Darvish will be interesting to follow. I'll leave it at that. On Tuesday, the start time for that will be 6.05 p.m. Central Time, a little bit earlier for you guys used to the 7.05 p.m. start times because it is once again on ESPN. Zach Eflin will take the mound for Philadelphia with a 5-4 record, a 2.89 ERA. Jose Quintana will be his opponent. 4-3 and three with a 3.68 ERA, and then on Wednesday, the Cubs will be right back at it at uh, a night game again, this time at 7.05 p.m. Central Time. They'll have Cole Irvin, who's 2-0 with a 2.77 ERA. He'll face up against another Cole, Cole Hamels, who's 4-0 with a 3.13 ERA, and then to finish off this four-game set, Aaron Nola for the Phillies will take the mound, who's 4-0 with a 4.47 ERA on the year. We'll be facing your boy John Lester, who is three and two with a 2.09 ERA. So even though he had that one poor start, he still is in the top tier for your ERA leaders. And that is that. The Phillies are 27 and 19. The Cubs are 27 and 17. As it stands, Monday morning, the Cubs are your first place NL Central leaders, up one and a half games 
over Milwaukee, who's 28 and 21. The Cubs are three games up of Pittsburgh, who's 24 and 20. And I, uh, the Cardinals are really slipping here. They're 24 and 23, four and you a half games back. Hate to see back. that, don't you? Hate Brandon? to see it. What oh my shame. gosh, what a shame, man! And the Reds are 21 and 26. They're seven and a half games back. The Cubs right now have the second best record in the National League. They are behind the Dodgers, who are 31-17. and 17. Uh, Cody Bellinger continues to go off. Uh, that's what's going on over there. So, Corey, there's a lot of narratives this upcoming series. You have to just shift your focus to that Monday night game right away. And if you want to get a little bit more you know, nitty-gritty for the Cubs details specifically, Seeing how Cizek is used after that two-inning and one-third performance, you have to imagine he won't be available for Monday, maybe not even Tuesday. I mean, that's a very lengthy performance from him. So we'll see how that goes. Anything that you're paying close attention to? Well, I think this should be a fun series. I think, you know, you get a first-place team in the Phillies who are atop the NL East at the moment by a couple games on the Braves. Obviously, the Cubs are in first place, and, you know, I think that's, for all of us, uh, you know, kind of just the most, when baseball's at its most fun, you know, you get uh, closer to summer here. I know the weather still is uh, a little iffy in Chicago, but, you know, you, you, you get that that summer-type baseball at, you know, in Chicago at Wrigley Field, two first-place teams, four games set, like, you know, it doesn't it doesn't really get better than that, and, and this one obviously comes with... It's it's a it's a storyline laden series here, Brendan. I, there there's really no other way to put that. The pitching matchup on Monday is uh, you know uh, amusing. It's almost uh, like that's too odd. amusing. Yeah, that's, it's that's, like scripted, that's one way of right? It. <laughs> um, so that'll you know certainly be something. I, I think uh, you know typically the joke with stuff like that is whoever wins that game won that off season you know and got that decision right. If the Cubs win, then you was the right choice and Jake was the wrong choice, etc. Obviously, it's not that simple, but it will certainly be written about by by people like it is that simple. Um, you know, and then you have Bryce Harper coming to Chicago, and and you know the the Cubs seemingly were not ever really seriously involved in this process in this off season. But whether they were or not, you know, we're still not exactly 100% sure about. It's kind of a secret at this point. But, you know, the, the I think the mutual interest was there regardless of whether the process ever actually got that serious. We know that Bryce loves playing at Wrigley Field. That's why, you know, this whole thing spiraled out of control in the first place. And, I you know, I think regardless of whether they had the money or they felt it was the right move, I'm sure the Cubs brass was at least moderately interested in Bryce Harper patrolling an outfield spot for the Chicago Cubs. So, you know, you kind of bring all that together and with both teams in first place, you know, makes it kind of the best way for these storylines to go head to head. Um, you know, if if the, the, the Phillies were in the you know, in the tank at the bottom of the NL East, it, it doesn't make that Arietta Darvish matchup quite as as much fun. But, uh, you know, now it's like pretty serious because both of these teams are trying to stay atop their division. They're trying to stave off uh, some competitive teams that are behind them. So, uh, other than that, no, I mean, those are, you know, kind of the, the, the storyline notes and, you know, yeah, I mean, like we talked about, I'll be curious to see, you know, who's, who's getting that playing time on the middle infield, 
you know, Javi leaves the game on Sunday night. I, I think, what did you say, a bruise on his ankle? Yeah. He the made, official he tried to make... diagnosis is a heel contusion, contusion, which is a heel bruise. Yeah, so he's fine, but, you know, I, I don't know if the Cubs will give him a day off or something like that and, and try Russell over there at short and maybe Bodie at second. Um, but, you know, again, all, you know, th- that's, I think, the, the group to watch. So interesting to see who gets that playing time. You know, is are any of them kind of able to, to break out of their slumps there? And just keeping things going again, like this team is playing well. So I, I, I don't have any like specific things I, I, I need to see them doing. Um, I, I, if, if the, I, here's what I would like to see. I, I want one of those four guys in the middle of the order to hit a home run and then for the four of them to kind of like compete with each other to see how close they can stay. So I think so that's just all how they should one go. Home run. Like, <laughs> yeah, if Chris if if Chris Homer's on Monday, then you know, I think Anthony, Javi and Wilson need to take it upon themselves like, all right, he got to 12, we got to keep up. So, yeah. you know, we just got to keep hitting home runs. I think is the best strategy. It's a good strategy. Yeah, good strategy. Yeah, yeah, just keep hitting home yeah, runs. Just, just do that. Yeah. That's that's yeah. the right way to do it. But, you know, look, like you know, you read it, like they're they're a game and a half up on Milwaukee, but they're four ahead in the loss column. They're six games ahead of the Cardinals in the loss column even though they're four and a half back, three ahead of Pittsburgh. That's that's even. Uh, they played the same number of games, so they're they're in a good position, and and I think you know we they, they if you can play close to five hundred, a little bit above, you know, on the road and TCB at home, that's a recipe for a really good season, and that's pretty much what we've seen the Cubs do uh, throughout this twenty nineteen season. So I, I say you know just just keep things rolling here, and uh, look, I I desperately want you to outduel Jake tomorrow. I think that that is just something that that would be so good and and you would feel so good for him in that. Um you know and he's he as he said after his last start like he's still looking for that like Wrigley Field good big performance and I think there would be no better time to do it uh than against Jake Arrieta. And and I would also, you know, I, I like the idea of particularly Rizzo because I think those guys were were pretty close. But Rizzo taking Arietta deep, I think, uh, you know, the the reaction to that might be might be pretty funny. But just you know, go out, take three or four, and uh, we'll keep things rolling here. That's 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 all it comes down to. If you're going to that game, please get off your seat, give Arietta a standing ovation. What he did was in what he did was insane. Even that 2015 uh, second half, that was the best stretch of baseball from a pitcher I think I may ever witness in a Cubs uniform. No, nothing against the current iteration of these Cubs pitchers, but that was historically great what Arietta did. So if you're there, get off your seat, give him a standing ovation. He was a huge, a huge part of why the Cubs were what they were, even going back to 2016 and 2017. This Yeah. He was a staple, so just you know, do make all us Cubs fans look good and and give the man what he deserves. Yeah, I have no doubt. Uh, I, I don't. I would certainly hope, and I don't think that most Cubs fans need uh, to even be reminded of that. So I think it'll be a very nice moment, and I and I would hope that somebody slips into that scouting report. Uh, don't forget, you 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 cannot sleep on on that man at the plate. Don't make a mistake to <laughs> yeah. Jake Arrieta. We've yeah. seen. 
you know, unfortunately, we've seen you have some struggles with command, even against the bottom of lineups and uh, opposing pitchers. And we all know Jake is not the one to mess around with. So, you know he's going to go yard tomorrow. Uh, yeah, you know he wants to, <laughs> for sure. Happy. Yeah. So be oh, Jake job, is going to be swinging like Javi swings, oh. you know, in a tie game in the bottom of the ninth inning. Like he's going for yeah. one thing and one thing only, and that Wavelength. is to send one on <laughs> to Waveland. Yeah. So. Uh, anyway, I think that's all we have for you. Uh, a good, a good series from the Cubs and, you know, they managed to get through this stretch against some really good pitchers, come out of it with a 500 road trip, head back home, still a game and a half in first place. So, you know, still just a very good spot for this team, uh, who, you know, I still think has that, that extra gear to get to. And I, and I don't think we've seen the Cubs play their best baseball, uh, of the whole season. So, it's a good time to be a Cubs fan still, and uh, this series with Philly should be fun. So as always, we will come to you after the Cubs and Phillies finish on Thursday. We thank you guys very much for joining us. As always, Brendan is at Cubs Related on Twitter. I am at CF Cubs Related. At Cubs Related is our Instagram, and you can find both of us at Real Cubs Insider, are the social media handles, and of course, CubsInsider.com. As always, we thank you guys very much for... Our homes today are like little cities full of different interneting boroughs, like the entertainment district in the living room or the virtual fitness center in the garage. And Xfinity Internet keeps it all running smoothly with reliable speed to power all your devices at once. You get coverage around town from the financial district home office to the spa. Xfinity Internet keeps your little city humming with reliable speed and coverage. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Find great offers and value today from Xfinity. Go online or Call 1-800-XFINITY to learn more. Restrictions apply. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. Listening and go Cubs. Keep all your entertainment options centered with Xfinity X1. Access live TV, Netflix, and now Hulu and Peacock. Ah, streaming zen. Now that's simple, easy, awesome. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY today. Restrictions apply. Netflix, Hulu, and Peacock memberships required. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola today and enjoy. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.